You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Something's coming. Stand by. Hold on to your hats. Here we go. Welcome to the Screamcast, episode 125. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Yo, Sean and everybody, what's up? We promise BJ will be joining us on uh, some future episodes. Uh, she's had a, a busy and uh, somewhat rough couple of weeks, so she's dealing with some shit. So uh, we're hoping to have her back next week, and um, we will keep you guys in the loop uh, about all that. So... Uh, we miss her. We miss her terribly. There's a hole in my heart when BJ's not on the show. I miss her. I almost want to start singing a uh, an no. '80s love ballad. Please, please don't sing. No, it reminds me of a time that I'm no, just kidding. Let's not do any <laughs> oh, impersonations either. You can check out past podcast episodes over at thescreamcast.com. You can check us out also at oneofus.net every week, which. Uh, uh, and check out all their other shows as well over at oneofus.net. I always forget to mention them. Uh, I am apologize. But they have a bunch of other great podcasts you should check out as well. And they have like a main feed that you can subscribe to. So you get our show and all the other awesome shows on oneofus.net. So do that if you can. Um, you can also tweet along as you're listening to the show. I love it when, when people do that. Scream underscore cast. And uh, we, have, we have a handful of you that do that, and it's super fun whenever uh, whenever you guys are listening. So keep that up. And uh, we're on Facebook and shit, too. So yeah. right, today we are talking um, about a DVD, Brad. We're talking about a DVD. So oh, damn. Uh, oh, shit. We're going to be talking about Intervision's latest release, Murderlust. Along with the, they added in in, as a special feature, uh, Project Nightmare, the director's first feature. So we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. Project Nightmare is his first, I don't think that's true. Uh, Okay, not his first. One of his earlier ones, though. Could have the wrong information. Yeah, I don't think that's his first movie. It says plus second hit feature. Yeah, that's his big hit. It blew up at the box office, made you know, like $60 billion. It's his directorial debut, man. It says right here. Bonus second feature, uh, Jones, Jones's trippy directorial debut. Dude, you Jay need to relax. Donald. Donald Jones. Uh, we also are bringing back our VHS, oh my God, segment and stream screams. So stick wow, around. you did a really good job that. with the, oh my God. Uh, before we get started with the what's in the doorstep, I need to, you know, I'll, I'm going I'm to I'm gonna try to tone down my impersonations. I want to apologize to our Scottish listener for uh, my Gerard Butler impersonation. Uh, if anyone was offended, I'm sorry. And I know that's a lame way to do an apology, but uh, I'm not really Man. sorry. Um, moving right along. Let's jump into what's on the doorstep. Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. <laughs> 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 
You're so uh, I love how energetic you are. There's like I, a three I'm hour. I'm super excited. Oh man, three hour difference, and I'm like my kids are just getting to bed, and like my night is finally starting, and like meanwhile you've been up, you know, three hours ahead of me, and you're ready to fall asleep because you're an old man. Yo, where to bed at? Uh, I'll show you a bed. Ooh. Yes, please. All right, uh, since you have a million things you're probably going to have in this segment, I will go first, as usual. Okay. <laughs> uh, I wanted to briefly mention uh, I had got the Arrow reissue of Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh, man. And let me tell you, man, I've been wanting this Blu-ray for so long, so when they announced that they were reissuing it, it's a Region B only. Um, when they announced that they were reissuing it, I popped like the biggest boner known to man. Boners. Or ordered it right away. Um, looks fantastic. I'm, why the hell isn't this out in like uh, a, a US release? Like what's the, what's the deal with that? Cause they're trying to do the, all the movies in the series. Uh, did I mention I took cough syrup? Oh shit. Here we go. I, that's the reason why I didn't tell Sean this cause we were moving so quick, <laughs> but I took a bunch of fucking NyQuil, and that's the reason why I was so sleepy. So I this, suckered you into recording. This could, dude, this could get interesting because normally I'd be like, "Dude, sleep it off." We'll last time this happened, I got a little slight. Yeah, we'll see how this goes, everyone. Uh, all right. So you're saying they're... they're prepping for a big box set? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the rest of those movies suck. I think there's like four or five a hell hell frog town movies, and they're just. Bad man, there's bad. Yeah. Well, it's I weird. mean, they're fun. It's weird but, that I it's mean, not out. It's weird that there's this beautiful, gorgeous Blu-ray in the UK. Uh, this is why I need to be region free people. Anyway, it looks gorgeous. It's fantastic. It's out. So if you missed it the first time around, uh, it's it's out now and it's gorgeous. Grab it. Yeah. Uh, next up, along along with that order, I had pre-ordered uh, their release of the Giver, and this has a German release as well. There's a few different releases. There's one that's a quote-unquote, like, uncut version, which the German release I had I don't think was uncut. I think there's, like, a box one that has, like, two different versions or something. German box. Um, the German, um, the German the, release I had, it was the exact... I think it was the exact same length as this one. So yeah, this, the the cult classics collection is, people. Is that the uncut version, or is that just the... That's the uncut, because it's got the extra gore and stuff. See, I, I watched it. I didn't really notice it. So... It's VHS um, is when they show it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice it, man. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, hey, dude, you didn't notice that VHS quality? I did. Plus one. It should look like 1080p. I, I, think the, I think those whatever cult epics, whatever. I think they re- had released two different uh, cult rele- epics. Cult not epics. Cult epics. Touched the guy. Jesus Christ! I'm getting everything wrong. You're making cult me ner- classics. Cult, cult classics, classics collections. You're making me nervous because you're CCC. CCC. Yeah, I think they did two versions, man. I think the one that I had bought was just this, um, what they call the director's cut, but it's basically the the the, the cut version. Um, but anyway, it's out. It's the Giver. It looks great. I don't know. I don't really care about the extra monster gore anyway. But um, but that it, it's it's fantastic. If you're a fan of goofy flicks like the Giver, Arrow did a bang up job on it. So I had to give them a shout out. Good. Way to go, Arrow. 
Um, I finally cracked open my Scream Factory Bubba Hotep. Oh, cracked it. And uh, fucking love this movie, man. I don't know, man. I gotta rewatch it. I it's, mean, the, the, I've only seen it one time. It's almost even better this time around because, I mean, it's basically two old dudes who are having kind of identity crisis in a way, battling this ancient demon. But the movie's really about, like, getting old and... You know, like, what if Elvis really did live and get into, in, into an old folks' home and had, like, cancer on his dick and stuff like that? And, Damn. And in the meantime, suck. you know, they have to battle a demon. But it's, I mean, it's, I love I love the movie. I love, I mean, Bruce Campbell is probably, this is probably my favorite role of his. Um, I just love his Elvis role here. Uh, Ossie Davis, top form. I love Ossie Davis. He's fantastic. So anyway, as probably probably up there with with one of my favorite Don Coscarelli flicks, um, after Phantasm. Damn, it's really good, man. I was surprised. I gotta, re- I I gotta it rewatch it. I've only now. seen it once. I remember reading it yeah. at Blockbuster, and I was not a fan. Um, and I've only seen it once, but you know that was. Years and years and years yeah, ago. I, I think you'll have a different experience this time around. I, I loved it. Will I, Sean? Huh? Will I? You you I think I think you will. I think right. you will. It's kinda like, you know, I love it when a movie ages well. Like when you watch I, it again and I, I have no reason why not to watch it again. I'll be more than happy. I, I because I've liked Don Cascarelli's movies. Yeah. Well there's a pretty great much, interview much all of them. There's a great interview from- with Don Coscarelli on here and a great, great interview with Bruce Campbell. I love hearing that dude talk. Phantasm Four is not very good. <laughs> uh, and finally, I watched uh, the DVD of The Gate with my daughter. I was gonna try to wait till it came out on Blu-ray, but she came in the room holding the Gate DVD. And when your daughter comes in with the date with the Gate uh, DVD and says she wants to watch it, you say, "Hell yeah, let's do this!" So we sat down, we popped in the Gate. And she absolutely loved it. She, uh, the little creatures freaked her out and she had a lot of fun kind of going along with this flick. And, uh, this would make a perfect double feature with Joe Dante's The Hole. Although I believe this one would be more entertaining. But, uh, she kept talking about, she kept talking, well, her and I watched The Hole a few weeks back and she kept talking about how these two were similar and you know and and she you know she loved the idea that they were kind of similar and it, but that there was kids discovering a hole like she thought that was just like fun coincidence but uh you know i'm i'm on my way with you know helping her discover some ho- horror movies and i put the call out on, call out on twitter the other day and a lot of people were giving me a bunch of kid friendly horror i know you wrote a didn't you write an article for us about kid friendly horror I never, I never published it. You never published it. All right, I have uh, it. So I made, but... I made a letterboxed uh, list, and her and I are gonna start kind of banging through that list. So it's gonna be a lot, a lot of fun. My son, who's nine, like he wants nothing to do with horror movies at all. No, what I, what I had, and the reason why I didn't do it is because it takes so long. Is that I did years, like how to ease your child into horror so you don't scare them. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I, I started off with, like, you know, really small things. And then, you know, you take a, a movie that's a little bit heavier and you interject it to see kind of the response. And then, you know, if you get like a, oh, that was a little too scary, you go back, you know, you take it back a notch, you know, that type of thing. 
Yeah. That's what that's what I did with, you know, Willow. You know, I was we were watching horror movies and then I was like, Hey, let's watch the ring and then <laughs> it was crazy because like I mean after the initial opening sequence and then the music, she just started crying and then I turned it off and I was like, Alright, we're not gonna watch this you know, so I, I turned it off, you know, I stowed it away for a few months. We watched some other stuff. And then she's like, hey, remember that movie that I cried in? And I was like, yeah. She's like, let's try that again. <laughs> and we watched it, and she was, like, fucking freaking out, but she didn't want to turn it off. Right. So you just have to be easy because I know a lot of a lot of adults don't like horror films because of their parents making them watch them, you yeah. know, and well, they just don't like it anymore. I think that's what's up with my wife because she used to watch horror flicks with her dad, and he, she kind of just would do it just to kind of be close to him, and it kind of, uh, like, she didn't really like it. You know what I mean? And it was like, like, yeah. So she has seen Carrie. I was really surprised when she told me she'd seen Carrie. She's like, isn't that the movie with the girl in the prom? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. We, you've seen this? She's like, yeah, I saw it with my dad. I'm like, oh. She's like, yeah, I never want to see it again. So. Neither do I. All right, man. What, what you got? What's on your doorstep? Um, did I just publicly say I don't really like Carrie? Yes, I did. <laughs> um... I don't have much of a big list, I don't think. Um, I'm going to start off with something weird. Well, it's not weird. It's just a weird to start off with. I uh, I always heard of, about this movie because it was like the first, uh, um, uh, first African director making a movie. It's made in 1966, so it's, uh, it's a little bizarre. Um, kind of the the tone of the film and the statement that's there. I mean, the statement's not bizarre. It's, of course, it's about, you know, racism. But it's uh, called Black Girl, directed by, I cannot do this name, especially with NyQuil. Uh, Osmane Sembene. I guess I could say it. Eh, maybe I can. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a movie with a voiceover about a, uh, a, a woman that is basically, you know, lives in poverty and is chosen by a white family to take her to France. And, um, you know, she's, I'm going to be this maid. I'm going to see the sights in France. I'm going to live a good life now because this is away from poverty. And it ends up that she is literally just another slave in, um, in this white family where she just, cleans and cooks and takes care of the kids. Um, and there's a little bit more to it, but that's kind of, the movie's only 60 minutes long. So, you, you know, if I tell you the other part, it gives everything away, but it's just a really um, fascinating movie because uh, she doesn't speak through the whole entire movie. It's just her as a voiceover, but everybody else has dialogue. Um, she just doesn't say anything. So it's kind of unique in that way. Um, Kind of a, you know, it, it's a statement, but also I wish, like, I wish there was a little bit more, I wish it was longer, I guess, because it felt like they rushed the ending too fast, and then it it got confusing for a moment, and, like, you can feel the buildup, but once that last 15 minutes hits, it moves a little too quick, and they get the point across but I feel that they could have 
done a little bit better if they extended it maybe another 15 minutes. Um, but anyways, it, it's it's a fascinating movie. Um, I've always kind of wanted to see it, so Criterion put it out in 4K restoration. It's black and white. It looks great. Um, next up, I got around to Cult Epics has this side um, label now. This NyQuil is starting to hit me. Um, <laughs> has a side label now called Real, Real Gore Releasing. Their first movie was Violent Shit the Movie, which I had a hard time watching that movie. Um, they released one of my favorite Giallos, uh, uh, Masks. They released uh, The Curse of uh, Dr. Wolfenstein, which I was not the biggest fan of. It had some cool moments. Um, and then now this is this movie was made in like, this movie is made in 2011. Oh, man, I've been it, meaning to talk to you about this because it, it just showed up in the mail the other day. The Orphan Killer. <laughs> yes. um, so I, I guess I didn't put two and two together until this release came out. Real Gore releasing is just very independent blood movies is what he's releasing on this label, it feels. Yeah. So um, I remember seeing, like, because the director would sell, like, these online like Blu-rays, like his own like bootlegs. But, I mean, it was his his film. He did it himself. So I always remember hearing about this film that never got distribution over here, so I really didn't think anything of it. Because, honestly, these B-movies that are made underground that are distributed by the filmmakers themselves normally are not that great. Like, I, I love the passion behind it. Um, I love how these guys do make a living. I think it's awesome. Uh, are the movies good? Not really. Are they fun? Sometimes. Um, so I popped in the Orphan Killer. I had a lot of fun with it. I will say that it was uh, not what I expected. Um, it's got this like odd like timing metal soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, someone was saying it was like the death metal movie, death metal serial killer movie or something like that. Yeah, it, it's got <laughs> death metal that just plays all through. Like they have this cover. This heavy, heavy metal cover of uh, "Cry Little Sister" that plays throughout the movie. Wow! Um, but I tell you what, man, the special effects in this movie—they're um, really, really good. Uh, some of the gore sequences are fantastic. Um, the acting, all you know, is is decent. The only problem I have with the film is that once it hits about an hour into the film. There's a torture scene that happens for way, 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 way too long. And it kills the movie, I feel. Because it had this, like, kind of groovy pace, you know? And then it just, like, stops. And it's just like, now I'm watching one of these, like, you know, gore horror flicks that I'm just not a fan of. Like, I, 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 I mean, I like gore and I like running around and the slaughter that's happening in these movies, but when it focuses on one person, it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps yeah. going. I just get bored. Well, it just kills the um, momentum. Yeah, and it and it was doing a good job. I was like, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie, and I actually ended up, ended up liking it, but it was just, once it hits that hour mark, man, it just falls flat, and then it picks up again, and it does, uh, you know, it has, you know, it redeems itself. Um, next up... Oh, man. Oh, man. 
You ready for this? <laughs> I'm ready, man. I I didn't know Warner Archive released this on DVD. Um, I found out they released it on DVD. I was like, holy shit, how did I miss this? They released Airborne on DVD. Um, I used to watch this movie as a kid all the fucking time. Um, I was just... Like, I completely forgot about it. And then when I saw the cover, I was like, holy shit. I was like, I remember that movie. The surfer kid who rollerblades and then has to play hockey. And then fights the Johnny Cage replacement from Mortal Kombat Annihilation in it. Um, nice. This was Seth Green, isn't it? Seth yeah, Green. Seth Green. So basically it's this... I don't even think this kid did anything else. <laughs> this lead lead character, he lives in L.A. He's a surfer dude. Um, you know, he rollerblades down to the beach to surf. His parents get a job as, like, some biologist thing in Australia. He can't go, so he's sent to, like, fucking Cincinnati or some shit uh, to live with his uh, aunt and uncle for six months. And... Um, of course, it's a completely different, you know, it's not tubular, dude. It's more or less like hockey, sports, sports. And everybody's, like, uptight, and he's just, like, radical, man, and, like, all, like, you know, surfer surfer lingo, surfer attitude. And he ends up, you know, getting in this little hockey thing. Um, it's a silly teen comedy, but, um, you know, not seeing it for years, and I watched it with Willow, it actually has a lot of charm to it. Um, it's not stupid. It's just, you know, it's really just, it's a fun, it's a fun little movie, um, which I didn't expect it. Cause a lot of those times, like I've said it on the show countless times is when you rewatch these movies that you liked as a kid, man, they're just like, I, like I've said a thousand times, people get nostalgia confused like they're like oh man it's so good no the movie's not good you just remember it being good and it's part of your childhood yeah flight of the navigator is not a good movie people yeah but i love it so much <laughs> um <laughs> and airborne's not a good movie either it's just it's one of those things where you know you you, you see it and it's like um kind of like dutch you know, Dutch is one of my favorite, like, movies as a kid. Like, Dutch was something that I thoroughly enjoyed, and I'll watch at any any point. It's just it's just a movie, you know? But it's just, it, it has its charm. It, it serves its purpose. It doesn't try to be any more than it is. And it's just, you know, a comedy. Have you never seen Dutch? I've never seen Dutch. Dude, so good. Ethan uh, Embry before he was popular. Damn it, I need to see um, that. I've always it's one of those I've always dude. seen. I'm like, yeah, I should probably watch Dutch at some point. I should watch that, and I, I never do. You know, yeah. you know, one movie that um that really I, I watched later on in life, and I I've you know I still love it, but it you know as an adult watching it, you're like, oh man, it shits the bed in the last act. Is uh, Ex- Explorers Joe Dante's Explorers? <laughs> dude, I don't like that movie at all. I love. Even like as a kid, I loved it so much, man. I I watched that movie probably more than Star Wars as a kid. Whoa, I loved it. Like whenever my parents would it would be my pick choice to pick a movie, I would always pick Explorers for some reason. I I don't understand. My my parents, God bless them, man. They had to have been sick of seeing that movie, but I loved it so much. And then 
uh, I watched it again as I was older, like probably college age, and I was like, oh, yeah, that ending doesn't work, <laughs> you know? But, like, the first part of it is great with these kids figuring out how to build a spaceship and all this kind of stuff. Um, but the reasons why they have to build the spaceship and everything, it just gets goofball at the end. But then I watched it with my kids, now that I'm a dad, and they absolutely loved it. So it's like, it's weird with these movies. Like, I, I think I've mentioned this before. Like, I'll recognize that, yeah, it's not a good movie. But then now, but then when my kids watch it, I kind of see it through their eyes and I can appreciate it. But, um, but Explorers, man, like when I watch it, I'm like, ah, oh, God, that ending does not hold up. It's a great movie up, t- up till the, when they finally get into space, but when they get into space, it's ridiculous. Um, Airborne, the ending doesn't add up either. Cause when it ends, you're like, wait a second, aren't, aren't <laughs> you supposed to be doing so? It's like, um. I don't know if I ever mentioned on the show the uh, Rudolph, um, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, like from the the um, what's those people's names? Rankin Bass. Yeah, Rankin Bass. Mm-hmm. That in the original movie when they aired it, he never went back to the Island of Misfit Toys. Oh, they just left their asses there. <laughs> and then so many people complained that like a year later they went back and they filmed. That's awesome. uh, the ending. So when Rudolph, then they go back to Island Misfit Toys and start throwing them out of the sleigh to kill them. Um, <laughs> that's actually all like you know newer footage from the original. That's wow. kind of how Airborne is because Airborne ends and you're like, uh, dude, aren't you like supposed to go back to California? <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, that's that. And then next up, since you were so nice, Sean, I'll. And you gave too short of a review. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Blair Witch here for a second. Oh god. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend too much time on it. Alright. Um I finally got around to watching uh Blair Witch, the sequel to the iconic found footage movie from nineteen ninety nine, ninety-eight, whatever it came out. Um I tell you what, I, I'm a huge fan of Winger and I'm a huge fan of Barrett. So when if anybody's going to do a Blair Witch movie, I think it would probably be best if Eisner or Adam Wingard did it. Um, and so I was really happy that this this pair got together to do this. But you would think that after all the found footage movies we have, how frowned upon found footage movies there are, we would try to do something new. And if they we, had a drone, Brad. They try to the drone that gets stuck in a. Train. And it doesn't pay off. <laughs> Every gag you think is going to happen, nothing happens. This is. I'm sorry, but this movie is the reason why people hate found footage movies. This is if you took Barrett's and Wigard's name off of this. This is every single found footage movie. That is just bland, and that's what Blair Witch is. I'm not going to say it's terrible, you know. No, it's it's I, a run of the mill found footage. I like, like found footage movies. I watched it, and you know, like let's say if they called this The Woods, like originally it was titled. Yeah. If I watched it, it'd be like okay, you know, all right, whatever. It was fun, but being that you're calling it Blair Witch and you're making a sequel to a movie that revolutionized movies like Blair Witch just wasn't a found footage movie. It made, it's a landmark movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the package deal, man. It's the, it's the independent movie. Yeah. And the marketing into theaters. It was passed off as real at first. People believed it. 
it did amazingly well at the uh, at the box office. It made a new step for independent cinema getting into uh, the box office. It created a uh, you know even though there were found footage movies before, I get uh, it that. Put found footage Blair, on the map though. Yeah, Blair Witch Project was like holy shit, we can make movies with video cameras by yeah. ourselves without a production team. Um, so I wanted more out of it, you know. Instead, we get not even a movie remotely scary. We don't even get something that is because I think the original Blair Witch movie, even upon rewatches, is eerie. But yeah, that's because the actors were actually really fucking you know not really acting. That's you know if you know the story behind Blair Witch. That's them. Like, these fucking directors scared the shit out of them in the woods. Like, that's real reactions. That's the reason why it's so good, um, is because it's like actors just can't do that. But like, Brad, Brad Miska said that horror will never be the same. Well, no, I admit, didn't mean like, well, that, but I mean, <laughs> okay. actors, actors can be scared, but there's this certain intensity behind Blair Witch, behind those actors. And I say actors, but behind those people's eyes, that feels so real, and that's why it works. I, even the best actors in the world, I I don't know if you can actually feel that. Like you're just like, oh man, they're so good at acting. This is like, oh my god, they're legitimately fucking scared, you know. Um, but I just didn't get that with this movie. Uh, I. It just follows every fucking same suit that every found footage movie does and doesn't go off the rails, doesn't do anything new. Also, I was and hoping with the drone stuff that that would be like, all right, here anything. we go. Like this is something – like you can actually – you know what I mean? Like maybe do something with that but, but – um, Like how creepy would it have been if they started the drone out of the ground, it lifted up and saw an open field and then you just saw a black figure sitting in the field? That could have been a payoff, but they yeah. didn't do anything like that. It, it, does, it goes nowhere. Anything. You don't see anything from the drone, and it spends so much goddamn time on it. And there's that time thing that's yeah. in the movie that is completely confusing, doesn't pay off. And I, I don't know, man. I, I was just really disappointed in, in, uh, yeah. in this movie. I thought it was it, just okay. Like, I wonder what would happen if they would have called it The Woods and let people figure out for themselves that it was a sequel to Blair Witch, I think maybe that would have worked. I think that would have at least would have worked. The surprise of it, I think they shit the bed a little bit when they announced it as Blair Witch, and it was a marketing decision. Like they could have released it as The Woods, and people would have figured it out, and people would have been like, "Oh my god!" And the, you know, because there's not that expectation. Yeah, like as I guess, soon as you call it Blair it Witch, a, you're expecting something. Yeah, so. I don't know, but for, but yeah, for me, man, like I'm I'm not a huge fan of the original. Like I get the importance oh, of it, but I never, I'm you know I'm, I've never really been all like all about. It. I saw it once or a couple, and then I ran into it a couple times on VHS, and I really I, I had the Blu-ray sitting here. I haven't revisited, but I've never been a huge Blair Witch fan. I like the idea, but the film, you know, never really did a whole lot for me. But I'm a huge fan of the, of, of Book of Shadows, like that. I mean, I. I actually liked that they went totally different and that it was there was a meta aspect to it. Um, but yeah, you know, who knows, man? I, I don't know. It was it was just okay. Like it was, yeah. it was okay. Nope. Um, <laughs> so next up, I have um, 
a lot of people are talking a lot about this movie, and so I was like, okay, I'll watch it. The actor's great. Everybody's correct. Max Records is great. Jacob. Jacob. Jacob, what's up? I'm doing something here. We're talking about I Am Not a Serial Killer. <laughs> um, so hey, I watched um, a movie called I Am Not a Serial Killer. Uh, it stars oh, this little kid. No, it's fine, dude. It's 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 the part of the show. Um, <laughs> it's uh, stars this kid Max Records, who's great. He's fantastic. He's got definitely a career ahead of him. Um, plays in this movie I'm Not a Serial Killer with Christopher Lloyd. Next, crazy. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is not just a little bit part and to put a name on the box. He plays a huge part in the movie. Awesome. Uh, so it's nice to see Christopher Lloyd um, in a horror film of all things. So, um, plot is that Max Records is that's that's his real name. I can't remember his. You know, wasn't he in uh, Where the Wild Things Are? Never watched it. What? Um, I have no interest. Um, so he is kind of a troublemaker. He is his therapist kind of diagnoses him as a sociopath. Um, he's very young. He's like 16. He works at a morgue with his mother. Um, and he's kind of fascinated with death and, um, he gets picked on a lot and people kind of think he might become a serial killer. And, uh, there's a serial killer loose in his town. And so he's like, huh, wonder if I can kind of track this son of a bitch. So he does his best, gets his little detective work on and tracks down the serial killer and finds out who it is. Um, and then the story starts going and it's a pretty wild ride. Hopefully they don't ruin it in the trailer. Cause I could definitely see this being ruined in the trailer. Um, so it's a fun little concept. Um, it's a fun little movie. I, 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 I dug it. Um, I, I, the lead is very compelling. Max does a great job. He's, he's very charismatic. He's very charming. Um, the script is really good. That's another thing about the film. The script's really, really good. Um, Christopher Lloyd's great. Max, everybody else is just kind of, eh, you know, whatever. Um, but there's a really, uh, I don't want to ruin it, but there's a, so there's such a good monologue in the, in the movie. Um, the screenwriter is just so perfect. Uh, it gave me goosebumps when he's saying it, but he, it's at the dance party and it's the bully he talks to, what he says to the bully about the cardboard box. Fucking brilliant. Such a good fucking monologue. So watch it just for that, because when he says that, I was like, holy shit, that's so fucking cool. Uh, really great screenwriter. Uh, for something like even, you know, a horror film, which I'm a huge fan of horror, but we don't have the best screenplay sometimes. Um, and then I got around to watching... Uh, it's what is this called? Motherfucking Twisted Sister, something like that. Uh, twisted Motherfucking Twist uh, Sister. It's the Twisted Sister documentary. Oh. <laughs> so the, I watched the Twisted Sister documentary, which I was very happy to do. I uh, enjoy Twisted Sister. I like Dee Snyder. I like kind of that whole uh, shebang of story. This documentary is two hours and like 15 minutes. Hmm. Um, we learned so much about the first, like, four years. This is what irritates me, is we learn pretty much the first four or five years of Twisted Sister. 
and in two hours and 15 minutes. And then this documentary decides to cut short after that and just give text of like the last like 20 years of Twisted Sister that you have to read. And it's like, oh, this is another movie. Are you telling me that you couldn't condense the whole story of Twisted Sister in a fucking two fucking hour doc? Like, it was so irritating because it's a good documentary. But tell them, like, the whole fucking thing with the Supreme Court of the parental advisory lyrics and D. Snyder going, like, that's a fucking documentary in itself. But they don't even talk about that. They don't even hint at that. Wow. They just talk about the first few years, which is great. It's funny. It's it's a lot of fun. But they dwell so much on little things and have so much behind the scenes watching them on stage, like music acts. Like, fucking cut that shit out. We've heard the songs. We don't need to watch that again. Just fucking tell the story of Twisted Sister. And they just can't do it. It's so aggravating. I mean, it's a decent documentary, but by the time it's over, I was just pissed off because I was like, wait a second. This is it? Um, But anyways, if you're a huge fan of Twisted Sister, it is kind of fun. Um, It's just, like I said, it's just irritating that a documentary can't provide all the information in two hours and 15 minutes when I've watched documentaries that are under an hour and a half and can achieve much more than a story of a band. Dude, the documentary of Lemmy uh, is fantastic. The direct... documentary of anvil is great oh man it gives everything but like why couldn't you do that with twisted sister um and then next up i watched the remake i i i had no idea there was a remake uh the warner archive re uh released the remake the tv remake for the bad seed um it's pretty much a play-by-play of the original just not as eerie um man i tell you what dude there is some really weird shit with uh, David Carradine um, because he plays the groundskeeper and like the little girl that's the bad seed is like, you know, 12. There's some really funky shit that happens in the movie that's just like kind of gives me chills because like he's super creepy and says really weird things to her. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, man, this is fucking made for TV. He's like talking about like seeing her underwear and shit. And I'm like, Bro, this is why the fucking bride killed your ass with a five-finger palm punch. Yeah, the girl is actually nine in the story. Oh, dude, that's even worse. (laughs) But he says just, like, really awful things. It's just really creepy. I'm not into that type of shit, man. I mean, it's a decent, it's a a fun little movie. I mean, it's the exact same thing as, you know, the old one. It's just the old. 1956 film? Yeah, it's just better. Um, the old one, not the, not the new one. Um, I got around to watching the remake, another remake here, of uh, Vampires with uh, Carolyn Monroe, which I was happy to see Carolyn Monroe back on the screen because she was um, – she's one of those you know, notable faces and horror movie actresses that like, got to like a, a point and then just fell off the map. Like, she would have been up there with everybody else. It's just, it's like she did a lot of horror films, you know? she She's in one of my favorite horror films of all time. And it's just like, you know, I was expecting a lot more um, from her, I guess. Like, growing up, thinking, oh, man, 
what else has she done? And then I just got to a stopping point, and I'm like, what the fuck? Um, but she's in this remake of uh, a movie from the 70s, this erotic vampire movie called Vampires. Um, it's pretty much the same movie. Uh, again, we have the same instance where it's pretty much the same as the original, but it just doesn't have that erotic tone to it. It just is very trashy, and there's a difference between trashy and erotic cinema, and it just is really bland and just not erotic at all. And when, just uh, when did this one come out? Uh, recently, is uh, Art Exploitation released it? Oh. Shit, yeah, the original's fantastic. The 70s one is fantastic. Yeah. Are you sure Carolyn Monroe's in it? Carolyn Monroe's in the remake. I'm 100% positive because, yeah, 100%. Um, it's just not good. I, I mean, it's oh, okay. it just falls really short. Um, it's just not erotic at all. It just feels like, I don't know. It just it it's one of the more forgettable movies I've seen this year. Let's just keep talking about Carolyn Monroe. <laughs> That's a lot better. Dear God, man, she's Stone Cold Fox. Yeah, she was. Uh, she's a pretty one. And then, last but not least, I got around to watching. I was I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Uh, pleasant, because <laughs> it's in the title. Um, and plus, Nyquil is still here. Uh, so I got around to watching Wild Eye releasings, uh, A Plague So Pleasant, um, which is a really bad title, by the way. Um, but A Plague So Pleasant. It's actually a decent movie. Because um, I, when I saw the title, I was like, man, this does not sound compelling at all. Like, What the fuck is this? But I trust Wild Eye because they do show a different side of cinema always. So I popped it in. It's a very... Unique movie for sure. It's definitely not for everybody, but it is a partially black and white, partially color. There's a reason why it's black and white and half color. Um, it's about a zombie apocalypse that broke out. Hmm. People died. People got turned. And now the zombies are living among the humans and it is against the law to shoot and kill a zombie. You'll be fine for it. You'll go to jail. Does anyone say zombies' lives matter? No. Fail. Um, so zombies don't try to eat you. They just wander around and just stand there, and it's really easy to get around them. But it sucks driving a car because you can't hit them or run them over. <laughs> so okay. this guy is like has this you know kind of story behind him with – his sister and her dead boyfriend, who's now a zombie. And it's just so much emotion that he plugs one of these zombies, and the outbreak happens as soon as he does it. And oh, another outbreak happens. Damn. Um, it's actually pretty well done and kind of intense with the, like, it's literally like a survival horror film for like the last 45 minutes. Um, but it's, I, I enjoyed it immensely. It's, it's, it's got this weird vibe to it though. Like there's this kind of John Waters aspect to it. Like this very bizarre, like dialogue, um, 
like, I don't know. It's just when you watch it, you're like, you're really into this, like, Adam Rifkin, John Waters cinema. Like, how this is presented. And then it becomes a zombie movie. And then it jumps back to that and then becomes a zombie movie again. Then jumps back and then finishes out being a zombie movie. Um, and it's got this really fucking bizarre song in it. And I've been listening to it, like, every fucking day since I've seen the movie. But it's by this artist named Green Jerry. And the song's called Oh Freedom. And the song plays in the movie. And, like, I love the song. But it's a very odd song because he, like, he sings off, like, out of tune. Like, off kilter. But it's very, like, when you hear it, you're like, oh, shit. Like, he's definitely not hitting the notes. But, like, it draws you in. You're like, oh, shit, this is actually really good. Um, but anyways, uh, it's it's very well done. I suggest pick it up. Um, support, you know, that really, really micro-budget indie horror. Like, I mean, this movie is probably filmed for, like, ten bucks. Um, but it is awesome that somebody with that small budget can keep your interest for that long. The idea is cool, man. I, I, I like the idea a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not as extravagant and grand as I made it sound. It's very, yeah. you know, like I said, it's micro-budget. Yeah. Um, so when the zombie outbreak happens, there's like 10 zombies. So like, I'll probably chasing. hate it. Probably. Um, you know, it's no gods of Egypt. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, mean, I, what, I, I really, I like Brad, what is? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I like it. So cool, man. Anyways, that's it. All right. Very cool. Um, let's, let's jump into the news with Josh Obershaw. He is flying solo once more. And when we come back, we will talk about, uh, murder lust and project nightmare. Dun, 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 dun. So stick around. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Obershaw once again with another exciting roundup of the latest horror happenings. And this is definitely a doozy of a week for sure. Let's start off with some horror on television because I admit I've been pretty neglectful when it comes to horror on TV. So I got a few news items for you on that front. First up is the return of Twin Peaks. And that return is going to be May 21st on Showtime. And it's going to start off with a two-hour premiere. And the entire limited series was directed by David Lynch himself. So, wow. I kind of wish I had showtime right now. Next up, American Horror Story has been renewed for two more seasons. Next is The X-Files. Fox really wants to follow up the limited X-Files series that we got last year. They're trying to work around David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson's schedules. So we'll probably see that, hopefully, in 2018. Finally, on the TV front, for those of you who love the uh, TV show Constantine, which was unjustly canceled after only 13 episodes, Constantine is coming back, this time as an animated series on the CW. Actually, it's going to be on the CW's online version, which is called CW Seed. It's going to be about five to six episodes running about 10 minutes and features the return of Matt Ryan as the voice of Constantine. I really like the show Constantine. I thought Matt Ryan was the perfect John Constantine. And hell, even Neil Marshall directed a couple episodes. It was a really good show, and I was bummed that it got canceled. 
Uh, the show is available on Blu-ray from Warner Archives. If you want to check out the show before the animated series comes to television, that's going to be in 2018 as well. All right, let's get back to the Blu-ray news. And we're going to start off with Arrow Video. This past Friday the 13th, Arrow announced their April slate of releases. Let's start off with the U.S.-only releases. The first one is Django, Prepare a Coffin. And the bonus features for this include a new high-definition digital transfer of the film in the original 1.66 to 1 aspect ratio, optional English and Italian audio tracks, newly translated English subtitles for the Italian audio, and English SDH for the deaf and hard of hearing on the English audio. Django explained a new interview with Spaghetti Western expert and author Kevin Grant, an original trailer, and for the first pressing, you get an illustrated collector's booklet by critic and Spaghetti Western expert Howard Hughes. That one is coming out on April 11th. Now, do you remember that Donnie Darko box set that was a UK-only release? Well, it's coming to the United States, much like the uh, the Hellraiser Scarlet box. It's pretty much the exact same release, and that one is coming out on April 18th. Now, let's move on to UK and US releases. First up is Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster. The bonus features for this include a brand new 2K restoration of the film from the original camera negative, original mono Italian and English soundtracks, newly translated English subtitles for the Italian soundtrack, optional English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing, audio commentary by Tim Lucas, author of Mario Bava, All the Colors of the Dark, a new audio commentary by Troy Howarth, author of The Haunted World of Mario Bava, from Quartermaster Kaltiki, a new discussion with author and critic Kim Newman on the influence of classic monster movies on Kaltiki. Ricardo Freda, Forgotten Master. This is an archival interview with critic Stefano Della Casa. The Genesis of Kaltiki, an archival interview with filmmaker Luigi Cozzi. Archival introduction to the film by Stefano Della Casa. Alternate opening titles for the U.S. version of Reversible Sleeve and an illustrated collector's booklet featuring new writing by Kat Ellinger and Roberto Curti. This one is coming out in the UK on April 24th, and in the US on April 25th. Next up is the Japanese film Wolf Guy. Bonus features for this include a high-definition digital transfer, original uncompressed mono audio, new optional English subtitle translations, a new video interview with actor Shinichi Sonichiba, New interview with director Kazuhiko Yamaguchi. I probably butchered that, so apologies. A new video interview with producer Tatsu Yoshida. Reversible sleeve and an illustrated collector's booklet featuring new writing on the film by Patrick Macias and a history of Japanese monster movie mashups by Jasper Sharp. This one is also coming out in the UK on April 24th, followed by a US release date of April 25th. Now let's move on to the UK-only releases. First up, Catfight, starting Anne Heche, Sandra Oh, and Alicia Silverstone. This one has a commentary with writer, editor, and director Anur Tukel. Commentary with actor Sandra Oh and Anne Heche. Fight choreography featurette, deleted scenes, a trailer, optional subtitles, reversible sleeve, and for the first pressing only, you get an O-card and booklet featuring new writing on the film. That one is coming out in the UK on April 24th. Also, for UK only, we have The City of the Dead, starring Christopher Lee. 
And the bonus features for this include a new 4K digital restoration by the Cohen Film Collection and the BFI. High-definition Blu-ray and standard-definition DVD present presentations of two versions of the film, The City of the Dead and the U uh, alternative U.S. cut Horror Hotel. You also get uncompressed mono, optional English subtitles, an audio commentary by film critic Jonathan Rigby, a trailer, reversible sleeve, and an illustrated collector, uh, collector's booklet. And this one is set for a UK release on April 24th. And finally, for the UK only, this is the one everybody's wanting to hear, Phantasm. All five Phantasm movies together on Blu-ray for the first time. And it also includes a limited edition bonus disc featuring exclusive features. You've got English subtitles, an exclusive 152-page book with new writings on the Phantasm universe from Kim Newman and Bill Ackerman alongside a wealth of archive material, all fully illustrated with original stills and posters. Plus, you also get a replica Phantasm sphere and limited edition packaging with newly commissioned artwork from Gary Poland. There's a lot of bonus features for this one. For example, on Phantasm, you get the Phantasm Remastered 2016 theatrical version, original theatrical mono, and remastered 5.1 surround options, Phantasm Remastered 2016 Los Angeles premiere audience track. Join the audience of diehard fans as they experience the restored classic for the first time. You got an archive audio commentary with writer-director Don Coscarelli and actors Michael Baldwin, Bill Thornbury, and Angus Scrim. Reflections of Fear, Realizing Phantasm, a brand new featurette looking back at the making of Phantasm, including new interviews with the cast and crew. You also get a behind-the-scenes footage with commentary by Don Coscarelli and Reggie Bannister, a 1979 TV interview with Coscarelli and Scrim, six deleted scenes, an original trailer, TV spots, radio spots, and still gallery. For Phantasm 2, the highlights for that include Reflections of Fear, Realizing Phantasm 2, which is a brand new featurette. You've got the Angus Scrim 1989 convention appearance, a Fangoria TV spot, trailer, uh, other TV spots, and still gallery. For number three, you've got an audio commentary with actors Michael Baldwin and Angus Scrim, Reflections of Fear, Realizing Phantasm 3, plus a trailer and a stills gallery. For Phantasm 4, We've got an audio commentary with Coscarelli, Scrim, and Reggie Bannister. Reflections of Fear, Realizing Phantasm 4, all new featurette. For Phantasm Ravager, we got 2.0 stereo and 5.1 surround options. Phantasm Ravager, 2016 Los Angeles premiere audience track. Join the audience of diehard fans as they experience Ravager for the first time. And also Reflections of Fear, Realizing Phantasm Ravager. You also get deleted scenes with... An uh, optional audio commentary by David Hartman, who directed the film, and Don Coscarelli. Phantasm, bloopers and outtakes. Phantasm and You, a lighthearted recap of the Phantasm franchise directed by David Hartman. And the bonus disc is going to include Phantasmagoria, which is the feature-length documentary covering the original Phantasm through to Phantasm Four: Oblivion, including interviews with key cast and crew members. And you also get Phantasmagorical Tour. Actor Reggie Bannister hosts a tour of some of the key filming locations from Phantasm. Damn. This one is set for the UK on April 24th.
Now, the same day that Arrow announced that UK-only Phantasm box set, our eagle-eyed listener Luis pointed out to us that a March 28th release date was set for that long-awaited Phantasm box set from WellGo USA. As it turns out, that is definitely the case. March 28th, we're getting WellGo USA's Blu-ray box set of all five Phantasms. It's also a six-disc set. And the bonus features are slightly different. I don't think we're getting the uh, the replica of the sphere or the 152-page booklet. But we will be getting a whole bunch of bonus features. They're pretty much identical somewhat. I mean, like for example, on the first Phantasm disc, we've got featurettes such as Graveyard Cars, which I believe is about all the cars you see in the movie, like Reggie's ice cream truck, the hearse, and of course that badass Cuda. And we also have, uh, on Phantasm 2, we've got The Gory Days, which is an interview with special makeup effects artist Greg Nicotero. So there's slightly differences, but, hell, we're getting all five Phantasm movies in one place on Blu-ray. How could you go wrong with that? Plus, I also like to point out that the, um, the front cover art for the Wellgo USA box set has Angus Scrim as the tall man sitting in his throne with his balls. That came out wrong. But anyways, I mean, I, I love the front cover art. It's a fitting tribute to the man. And I think that's really, really appropriate for something like this, for something special like this. So March 28th, WellGo USA will be releasing the Phantasm box set here in the United States. Now, on that same day, on March 28th, Vestron Video is going to be releasing a Blu-ray set of all four films in the Wishmaster series. Uh, we don't have any more information than that. It's said to be packed with amazing special features, but we don't have those yet. So once we do have them, I'll let you know what those are. And hopefully it'll justify the uh, huge price tag, which I'm pretty sure this one is going to have. All right, next up are going to be a few quick announcements because there's not a whole lot of information to these as of yet, but UK Screenbound Pictures are going to be putting out Return of Swamp Thing on Blu-ray on May 15th. Meanwhile, Screen Factory have a couple of collector's editions coming in the summer. First one is going to be uh, Slither and The Lawnmower Man. And coming from Mill Creek Entertainment, we've got 1989's Blind Fury starring Rutger Hauer and Chuck Norris in Silent Rage. And last but not least, from Synapse Films, we are getting a limited collector's edition steelbook of Popcorn. That's right, Popcorn is finally coming to Blu-ray this year, and the release date is March 7th. Now, for this uh, steelbook edition, you're going to get an all-new 2K scan of an archival 35mm interpositive, an all-new Blu-ray 7.1 surround sound mix supervised by Synapse, the original 2.0 stereo mix is included, Plus, you also get an all-new 5.1 surround mix for the DVD. The audio commentary has director Mark Harrier, stars Jill Shalin, uh, Malcolm Denaire, and special makeup effects artist Matt Falls. You also get Midnight Madness, The Making of Popcorn, featuring interviews with Harrier, Shalin, Derek Rydell, Dee Wallace, Malcolm Denaire, Yvette Solar, and Elliot Hurst. Plus, also special makeup effects artist Matt Falls, composer Paul Zaza, and distributor executive Jonathan Wolf. That featurette is about 55 minutes. Electric Memories, an interview with actor Bruce Glover. 
original theatrical trailer, television trailer, and TV spots. You also get a still gallery, liner notes, and cover copy from Michael Gingold, English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing, cover art by Justin Osborne slash slasher design, and it's also going to be region free. Now, this set will run you about $45.95. Now, if that's a little too steep for you, don't worry, because I'm pretty sure with some of Synapse's other Steelbook Blu-rays, like Demons, Demons 2, and Tenebrae, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a standard version of this somewhere down the line, so don't fret too much. But at any rate, we're getting popcorn on Blu-ray. I have not seen this movie since it premiered on cable, I believe, in 1992. I didn't know what to make of it then, so I'm really happy that this movie is readily available again so that I can see what I think of it now 25 years later. So that's all the news that I have for this week, folks. Uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Splatter, and I'll be back with you next time for some more horror happenings. Take care, everybody. Violent, vicious, with no apparent motive. These are words we dread to read or hear in the media. These words describe the handiwork of the most insidious and evil of criminals, the so-called serial killer. This type of killer is hard to catch. Some are never caught. Why? How can they murder with such impunity? Where do they hide? The answer, in plain sight. This is Steve Belmont, trusted and upstanding member of his community, respected by his family and friends. He has just one hobby. Honored and loved, decent, kind, with one pastime. Outstanding member of his church, the man any mother would want for her daughter. Loving, caring, the ideal boyfriend, husband, lover. Deeply passionate, tender, gentle. Why don't I ring for the butler? He can bring us some drinks and we can toast Steve Belmont, a man more concerned with self-sacrifice than self-gain, a Christian in the truest sense of the word. Intervision uh, has been has been around for a couple years now, uh, releasing mainly uh, direct-to-video stuff, or it was actually shot of video stuff mostly um, on DVD. And uh, they are an offshoot from Severin, and they've. Uh, I think the last thing that I saw from them was uh, the movie Phobe, which is fantastic, by the way. If you haven't seen Phobe, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Really, really, really micro-budget sci-fi film. Yeah. Um, before that, they released uh, some zombie flicks. Um, oh shoot, who's that? They released that. Um, they released that Dracula movie too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Shit, I gotta, I gotta watch that. Yeah. I'm slacking. Um. Oh god, who's that director? What are you talking about? The zombie flicks they they released. Um. Oh um. Fuck. Andrew. I have like a brain fart on his name. Yeah, yeah, uh, Bru Matei. Yes, 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 the Matei. Uh, the zombie flicks, and they released another one that I forced Josh Obershaw to watch and write. Yeah, those movies aren't great. 
Um, so they've been around doing, you know, some interesting stuff with uh, bringing these movies out so people can see them. Um, they're hit or miss, I think, for a lot of people. Um, that last, the Count Dracula one was like, it's like a documentary, right? Documentary. Actually, I haven't watched that one. That's the one I haven't <laughs> watched, suck. so we suck. Sorry, Intervision. Uh, we're we, we plugging this to you guys, and uh, we haven't watched the, the Dracula one. Anyway, their newest release is um, Donald Jones' uh, flick called Murder Lust, and I'd never seen it, but of course the, uh, the cover looks awesome. And... Um, and then, of course, they released it with his debut flick, Project Nightmare. So, Murder Lust is, I mean... I've, I'm, let's talk about Project Nightmare first. But I honestly, I don't think this is debut. I'm still going against it. Where are you getting this information? Set. The Where box, are you getting this dude. Thing? The box. Where does it say this? On the back of the box. Bonus I, second feature, yeah. Joe's trippy dictatorial debut, Project Nightmare. No. Yeah. It says 1979. This He had movies before 1979, my friend. He had um, he had that girl movie before this, so this is wrong. <laughs> All right. Where's, I mean, look at IMDb. Uh, he, well, okay. Well, he directed it as Don Jones, so... Yeah, you know, there could be a typo because uh, it says Project Nightmare was released in 1987, although it does feel very 70s. So no, I, don't know, man. I mean, it might have been released in 87. And he did The Love made Butcher? in 79. Yeah, The Love Butcher. That's on fucking Code School Red, man. Girls that movie... and Chains? Yeah, that's the movie I was thinking about. No, I wonder, though, too. maybe Project Nightmare just was never released until 1987. You know what I mean? Maybe it just sat around and did maybe. nothing. Or it could be, typo. or it could be typo. It it could be. Intervision. Get back with us. <laughs> Let's know because uh, what you have goes against IMDb. The IMDb. Well, no, it's not that. It's just that this movie is made 1979. He had movies before this. Okay. Like it could have been released in 87. That's fine. Like yeah, been made in 79. So 79 is the date we should go on. But he had movies before that though. Yeah. I know the director. I've followed him for a while. I just have never seen Project Nightmare. I've seen every single one of his movies, aside, I think, aside from Project Nightmare. Yeah. So let's talk about that first. So Project Nightmare, uh, these two men, like, find themselves in this, like, deserted area. Uh, and they're... Hey, oh. Noah. Hi, Noah. She's taking a nap. Why is everyone still awake? This is what happens when you start before everyone goes to bed. What? Bert is going night night. Yeah. So that means. Noah, did you watch Project Nightmare? Not by myself. You didn't watch it by yourself? Did you watch it with Sean? Robert's not leaving. Oh. Your mom and dad are here. Okay, well, when he leaves, it's time for bed, okay? Oh my god. You. He's devastated. Did he say Robert? Yeah, the kids have a friend over. Is it Robert Shadal? Because that shit could be really fucked up. (laughs) You ever hear the story of Robert Shadal? It's just motherfucking whack. Story of my life. Story of my life here, everybody. I'm keeping this all in. 
Fuck it. Um, so, so yeah, these two guys find themselves in this uh, area. It's just, uh, they don't know where they're how they got there. Oh, they're wandering around. It's boring as shit. Very seventies. You are fucking okay. This lady, they they Stop. find this lady at a cabin. She goes, "Hey, what'd you guys like to drink?" And he's like, "I'll have some whiskey." Because like, he you says know, scotch, scotch. So because of course, when you're wandering around in like a desert and into a forest, the first thing you really want when you're parched is some scotch. Hey, that shows me it was this was made in the seventies. Can you relax? <laughs> All right, number one, let me take over because obviously <laughs> you did not like Project Night. <laughs> So, Sean is correct about two males that are, uh, the movie begins with them wandering around in kind of this deserted area, desert forest. Um, you oh, come to find probably. out they were uh, camping, and when they woke up, their tents and everything that they had was destroyed, and something is hunting them. Um, and it's very eerie because they have... Uh, it's kind of an unknown force that's uh, hunting them. They mm-hmm. stop by a lady's house and have a scotch and a PBR. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she gives them some food and a drink to take with them on their journey to try to find a nearby town. She does not have a phone in her house, and that's the reason why they can't call for help. So they go look for a town. They come across a, a man who has... Not stolen a car, but found a car and is kind of dying on the side of the road. They change a tire. Mm-hmm. They travel with this man, and they have this force that is hunting them down. And I find the movie pretty interesting because this movie was, I feel, before its time. Because yeah, you, may, you yeah. may say it feels like the 70s, and it does, but a story like this, this reminds me, like, the music, how it was shot, kind of the plot, reminds me of these, like, micro-indie budget movies that we have now that come out, like, something like Resolution, and, you know, uh, they look like people, that type of shit. That's what this movie feels like. With, like, a mix of, like, you know, um, some high-tech horror, too. Because when they it boils down, they realize that there is something that is making them take their worst fears and creating a physical appearance. And that is what is driving them mad and insane, and they can't tell the difference between, uh, you know, that world and basically reality. Um, so to me, I liked it because it was super fucking weird. Um, yeah. it, it, I think the movie is very well done. Um, I think once they actually get to the place in the desert – and they find out what's actually happening, that's when the movie starts to drag. And then fucking that Zordon thing pops up. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, this movie's fucking, let's get some acid right now, because that's how I'm going to understand this movie. Um, but I tell you what, it's, um, yeah, I think it's really well done. It's unlike anything that you'll probably see. 
it is right up there with the high tech horror of and weird horror like uh, Halloween three, um, even that Cabin in the Woods type of thing. Like I I, I dig it. I, I think if you did like a a tr- uh, like a triple feature of this Cabin in the Woods and Halloween three, <laughs> it would it would work really really well. You so know, uh, by the way, this I believe he shot this in the seventies. And it just and it, it technically was his debut, but it just never got released until '87 on VHS. Hey. What does uh, what I'm finding out here? And I'm sure if we would listen to the freaking commentary uh, by the writer and producer James C. Lane, I guess this partial audio commentary, we would probably know this. Hey. But. I'll, I'll give yeah, it a shot. I think it was it was shot early on and just never released. I really like this movie. If you want to watch it, please do me a favor. Watch Halloween 3, watch Project Nightmare, and then watch Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. And I think that you'll get that trippy, weird vibe. Um, and that's, that's what it is. It's a trippy movie. Well, you know? what, I, what I like about what, – what I do appreciate about it is like – because these movies – both of these movies could have been like these kind, these kind of like so – like I hate the word so – the term so bad they're good. But, you know, bad yet entertaining flicks. You like you a know, movie you're not – Incompetently, like an incompetently made movie, but it's entertaining. You know what I mean? Um, but like, I feel like these are are just you know hampered by their budget. Like Don Jones, like knows what he's doing. He knows how to put together a film, and you can tell he does. Like, then there's certain shots. You're like, wow. Like, if he had a budget, like this would actually be you know really really you know, would be better, but like the story's there and like the actors are doing like, I mean, there's nothing in here that's like incompetent. It's just low budget, you know, and this is a low budget seventies flick, you know, and it, and just that gets a little bit weird, you know? So no, it gets very weird. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I can appreciate it. And while that's not my thing, like I can appreciate that. You know, this is kind fun. of his, no, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Like it, it, it's just not – it's not my thing. You talk shit in the beginning. But I could appreciate it, you know, mm-hmm. for the the work that was put in. Like it, they weren't half-assing it, you know what I mean? Hey, I, I love Project Nightmare and cool. I love Murder Lust even more. Let's talk about Murder Lust. So fun little fact. I didn't make this happen, but I was asked. Uh, there was two covers for Murder Lust DVD, and I was asked which one was better, and this is the one I picked, so I feel partially responsible. Um, it is. It is. Uh, I'm looking at it's an old way, VHS way, cover. It's and... way better than the VHS cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Murder Lust. It's weird that this movie is not classified as kind of a comedy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not a comedy whatsoever, but the things that are said. And the lead actor is uh-huh. just so fucking great. I have, I have some. I'm laughing throughout the movie, even though it's a really mean and misogynistic movie. Well, it has some moments where, like, the fucking. Um, I haven't seen it in a little bit, but um, the scene where the. Uh, not the realtor, I guess. Yeah, I guess the realtor comes by and asks for rent. Yeah, well, and, it's the landlord. Yeah, yeah, and he says the check's in the mail, and he's like, oh, the most three common things you hear is that I still love you, I won't come in your mouth, and the check's in the mail. (laughs) 
And it's like, wait, what? Yeah. These are the most three common things you hear? Uh, well, maybe, maybe um, what that guy hears. Um, but yeah, it's just like there's little subtle things in the film that are said and yeah. and done that are just are comical. Well, what's great and about just, oh, go ahead. No, well, what's great about the setup is, I mean, it's this guy who's he's like a he's he's a Sunday school teacher. Like he's this. Well, that's Christian the thing. Sunday school also teacher. does like this makes like yeah, they have that side of Christianity where you know you see this guy he like picks up this hooker and then strangles her. And it's like, oh, this is our movie we get. We get this, like, heavy synth score. He's in a van. It's like, oh, my God. And then the next sequence, like, he's in a school as a Sunday school teacher. (laughs) And then, like, he takes the one little girl out there and he calls her a whore. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. Well, you know, deep down, he wants to freaking murder her. But she's, you know, he can't because she's in the Sunday school. Yeah. But the the other little the other little touches so that that's one touch that's like super interesting with this movie. The next one is like he kind of has like I believe it's hinted that he has like erectile dysfunction in it. Like How, why? Because he's in the car with that one with the prosecutor or somebody, and he can't freaking get it up until he freaking you know like he he he. he no, he I just think that's uh, like it's, I I didn't get I well I mean I haven't seen this movie in. For so. a little while, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hinted at like this guy has some issues, and it's like the only, I mean, yeah, it's hinted at, like the only way he'd really get off is by you know murdering these women and taking them out to the desert, you know. <laughs> he takes them out to the desert and like drinking beer, <laughs> he like pisses on the bodies, and it's like, oh my god, dude, like fucking relax. Like at times, <laughs> like the movie is like, oh, this is just an ordinary slasher, and then it just gets like way over the top because that sequence, like he does pick up that sixteen-year-old girl, or she's she's under eighteen because she lies about her age. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, takes her back and, like, has her on her knees. And it's like, dude, I was like, please stop. Just kill her, please. <laughs> like, this dialogue and what you're saying to her is just really, like, this is the bad seed all over again. Like, please stop. And, um, like I said, like, at, at times the movie does push some fucking limits. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one thing about the movie that, like, it, and, it, and it is really sleazy and trashy, which works you know, it's not a clean, you know, slasher by any means. It does have that sleazy and trashy side. So, therefore, they can get away, and it's not as shocking when you see and hear it. But he does it twice, and that's the part where it's like, even though the one's kind of off screen, it's like, oh, my God, dude. Like, this. I mean, they, they're modeling this dude after, like, Ted Bundy is what they're doing. Yeah. That's, that's what it feels like. It's like a Ted Bundy movie. Um, because he fucking strangles him, throws him in the fucking, you know, desert and he's like targeting like little kids too. Um, so basically it's this, um, like Sean said, it's this clean cut Sunday school teacher that works some odds and end jobs who basically can't make ends meet. He's trying to hold out for this. Uh, what is the job that he's looking for? It's like some kind of, um, um, like prevention, like. Like it's an assistance job. Like people that are, kids are that are having trouble, troubled teens go to him, and he's like a counselor. Right, right, right. That's right. the job that he's waiting for, if I remember correctly. And so, like, he gets the job, but then like the job's taken away from him. 
um, because of this killer that's on the loose and it's actually him that sets him over the edge. But um, it's it's a really like it's a fun movie, but it also is very misogynistic and does push the limits. But the movie, like you get that vibe right away. So yeah. I think you you know you can. Well, like it's not it, it's, it's not super graphic at all. It's not yeah, there's it's not not even no blood in the movie. No, but it's but it like, just has that layer of sleaze over it. The, the, it's more or less the dialogue yeah is is what is over the top because I mean I remember talking about the wife killer uh of you know episodes and episodes ago and that movie is just too much for me. Like I was like, "Oh man, this movie just like it's trying to be tr- like way too trashy. It's getting too amped up like the constant just like endless scenes of like hitting the victims and stuff like that. It's like, oh my God, like here we go again. This movie, like, it sets its tone very quickly. So when you see it, it's not as surprising mm-hmm. uh, when he kind of goes over the top and it fits. So it's, it, I don't find it disgusting or over the top. It's just, it's, it is kind of shocking at times because you're like, oh my God, like he's fucking targeting like a 16 year old little girl. Like this is crazy. Um, but it works for the movie. So if you're into sleazy, trashy cinema uh, and, a, and a weird strangle slasher. There's like uh, there's enough weirdness in it, though, like with all these little touches that for me, like, you know, kind of made me respect it a little more than it just being a straight slasher. Like there's so many little these little touches. And that's right. You know, that's what I talk about. Like, like Don Jones, like Donald Jones, like. Normally, this isn't my type of thing. Like these, both these movies aren't, you know, something I would seek out and watch. You know, but there's, there's enough like little touches that he puts in there, or he allow. Like he, I mean, he didn't. It's got a cool little synth these, score, but I mean, you know, yeah, the synth score is cool. Like yeah, the characters, are the 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 those, these the lead is awesome. Are, he's great. Um, it's it's Eli Rich. Uh, I don't Eli I don't, Rich. I've never recognized. I don't know. What I, he's I haven't seen him in really in anything else. Um. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, apparently this was this was censored. Uh, like two minutes and thirty something minutes were cut out on the VHS release. Uh, the British, I guess, uh, VHS. You no, know exactly. Release. The what would be cut out of the movie? It would it be the when the it's the little blonde girl when yeah. he has her room. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when that's happening, I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah, I need to hit fast forward or something. Because <laughs> this but, is. Uh, <laughs> There's a little. That's the one thing, man. Is I can watch anything, but when it comes to kids, uh, uh-uh. yeah, like well, that's is, what uh, that's what uncut. can really make me. Yeah, it's it's it shows everything. So, um, I need I, these are movies like these are the types of movies that I would I, I want to listen to the commentary on. I didn't have a chance to do to do so, but this one does have the commentary with James C lane. Who's the uh, writer and producer. So this is a full commentary where unlike project nightmare, that was a partial uh, commentary with, uh, with James lane, but to this one, it's, it's a full commentary. So um, I'm in- interested in checking that out. Cause I kind of want to, no. Yeah, I, I think people need to see it because I, I think that any horror fan would would uh, find things to it because it's very enjoyable. That's yeah. the thing. Like your your lead actor's great. There's a, enough going on. It's very basic movie, but there's enough going on, and it has a lot going for it that it 
you know, it doesn't lose its steam. It's great until the very end. Like, it's just, it's just a really, really fun movie. Yeah. And it doesn't uh, overstay its welcome. Like, these are a good, like, what, hour and 20 minutes, hour and 30 minutes. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. No, it, it you know, it, it, I think Murder or Lust is about an hour and a half. And it just, like, it just breezes through to, it, it, in, in my opinion, because I, I, I enjoyed. I enjoy it all. Like well, such it, a, I, it doesn't he's, drag. He's such an interesting character. Like you kind he's of very, enjoy he's spending very time with this guy, dude. He's fucking Ted Bundy, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like he, like I guarantee, making this movie, they were like, "Hey, this guy, Ted Bundy, just channeled this motherfucker." Yeah. Because that's what that's what it felt like. He's he's very charming. He's very nice. You know, mm-hmm. um, when he speaks, it's it's a lot of fun. Like. When he's at his guard duty job, and then the woman's like, he threatened me. He said he'd push me up against the car, and he's like, sir, I never said that. And then when they leave the room, he's like, I'm going to kill you, you whore. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Like, dude, like, relax. Yeah. But, yeah, it's 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 a lot of no, fun. That's worth, it's worth checking out for sure, yeah. I can get behind that. He, he's a great manipulator. Like, he, yeah. he's, you know, because he, he'll do that. Like, even, like, the, when he pulls the girl out of his classroom, he's like, did you draw this? You're gonna grow up to be like a coke whore. That's what you're gonna grow up to be. <laughs> he's, he's let's like, go to the his, let's go to the purple's like, office. Cut to the bone a little bit. Like he knows how to like get uh, get get. Yeah, uh, when he like loses it about uh, his yeah, job, man. he's like, leave it up to a fucking woman to ruin my fucking yeah. job. Hey, sweetie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so wow. the the writer uh, he wrote a screenplay called Housewife from Hell. Mm. As well, and uh, it's a fantastic title. The cover doesn't look that great, but um, fantastic hey, title. Don Jones has made some great movies. But Don he, Jones, man, let's talk a little bit about him. Because, the Love Butcher, The Forest, yeah, Evil Pursuit. Like, um, the Love Butcher, like you said, that was a Code Red release. So is The Forest. And The, and the Forest. And, what else uh, has he done? Let me see. Let's take a let's no, take a stroll down IMDb Lane. I know Lethal Pursuit, uh, Schoolgirls in Chains, Sweater Girls, Deadly I've, Sunday. I've seen Lethal ooh, Pursuit. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I need you to relax. Number one. Um, I remember Sweater Girls. That's the. I think that's Code Red too. That's uh, about the girls that keep their virginity or whatever. Um, what's Deadly Sunday? I don't know what that is. Um, oh, I interrupted by no again. They, my is, kids are still awake. What's going on? Well, we have an issue. We uh, I had muted the microphone, but we have he has a Spider-Man pajama shirt, but the Spider-Man matching pants are dirty. So the pajamas he wants to wear do not match. And it's a it's we have an issue. Ooh, that sounds he's not liking it at all. I'm like, "Well, just get another uh pair of un- uh, p- pair of pajamas." And he's like, "No, he wants to It's not that Spider-Man easy, Sean. It's, it's not that easy. He's, he's he's decided on the Spider-Man top. Uh Deadly Sunday 1982. Deadly Sunday. James Lane wrote that as well. Family vac- family on vacation stops at a roadside ah, restaurant where a gang yeah, of yeah, criminals yeah. are holding the employees hostage. Yeah, 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 I remember that. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Okay. I can't remember. I just remember it's the um, 
Yeah, they stop and they're holding them hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I honestly I can't remember really anything about other than the plot. <laughs> Lethal Pursuit, did you mention that? Yeah, Lethal Pursuit, that's that's the movie that I remember uh I think I have I saw that on VHS. That's the um um This looks right up. It's alley. it's it like all those movies take place in the desert. They look yeah. fucking love it. That's the movie that takes place another one that takes place in the desert with uh with um, the the singer and... A rock star babe and her hunky honey find themselves targeted by her psychotic ex, whose insane jealousy sparks a deadly game of desert cat and mouse. How's that? Wow. <laughs> but yeah, another movie in the desert. They, all these movies take place in the desert. That's funny. But yeah, I have Lethal Pursuit on VHS. That looks, that looks fun. Um, all the movies, like, he, he's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Molly and the Grayson? Ghost? Oh, that looks. What? This looks like a skin and max one right here. Ooh, what is that one called? Sure what is that Noah's, called? Noah's out of the way. What um, is that? Molly and the Ghost. It says horror, but the uh, the cover is very skin and maxy. Then I lied when I said in the beginning that I have seen all of his movies because I have not heard. This is marked under horror. It's nineteen ninety one. Ninety one. Mm-hmm. He's making movies in ninety one. Yeah, Housewife from Hell. Then I mentioned that's ninety three. What? Uh, and then he, he did a straight-to-video in 2015 called Evil Axe. What? A gruesome, sacrificial-style murder leads to an investigation that uncovers a ruthless, horrific, satanic cult in Brad's living room. Suddenly, one of the lead investigators of the case, a young woman Whoa, whoa, whoa. Named, you know you're going to get comments. Well, uh, this is on those right? IMDb synopsis that like goes a little too long. Oh, Molly and the Ghost. I have that on DVD. It's uh, Mondo Macabro put that. Or no, that's on the Rare Flicks uh, DVD. Yeah, Rare Flicks before Bill Olsen did this side project. And I think he worked for Rare Flicks. And he released like five box sets of movies. Um, like this cover disturbed. looks less skinamaxy, but the one yeah. that I saw was was like Whoa. boogie boogie visions in there, disturbance, Molly and the Ghost. Yeah, I've seen Molly and the Ghost. I just didn't know that was Donald uh, Donald Jones. Did That's find, um. Did you find matching pajamas? No, yeah. Oh no. Uh, okay. Those look comfy though. Yeah. Okay. Love they you, look. Co- love you, Noah. <laughs> Good job. Um, yeah, so I've, I've seen Molly and the Ghost. Um, I honestly I don't remember anything about it, but I have that on DVD. But Housewives from Hell, and I I haven't seen that. I now I feel bad. I need to go back and watch his filmography because I I, well, I do like the director. Yeah, he looks. I mean, he's he's one of those directors I would like to check out more. It looks fun. Like that's the thing. Like you know, you can tell you can tell he has like a passion at least for what he's doing. You know, there you know there's, a lot of these guys like. You know, I, I always appreciate a director when I feel like they're excited about what they're doing and they're at least trying, you know, and, and they, they like what they do and at least trying to do different things with the, the, these limited budgets they have. But cool, man. Cool. Donald M. Jones. Check out more of his stuff. Uh, yeah, people were buying up the, uh, the Forest Blu-ray on Code Red, and I've been meaning to check it out, but I'm, I'm very wary to blind buy stuff. Um, um that movie's fucking weird as fuck. Is so it? I want to check prepared. it out before I buy it. Um, it's good though, man. It's it's he, all his movies are the same. It feels like I say that now. Dude, the Love Butcher is really fucking good. 
That's probably my favorite out of everything, next to Murder Lust. Yeah. But, um, yeah, right. he, he's definitely a filmmaker to check out. Very cool. So, yeah, this, uh, this DVD is out now. Um, Ooh, is it out now? It's out now. Uh, I'm trying to see how much it is. Got to make got to make sure GrindhouseVideo.com sells this. They should. Mike, dude, fourteen ninety nine, man, fourteen ninety nine. Heads up, heads up. Movies. So, fucking Mike has a store. Store. Yeah. He moved out of his shoebox. Yeah, he, he moved he's into. I went there yesterday, and holy shit. I felt like I was at a mom and pop video store. Congratulations, Mike. Please, people, buy his shit. He's doing so well. He's all grows up. He's, he's grows up and he's grows up and he's grows up. And I have something for our next our next uh <laughs> let me get this. Uh mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, Mm. Mm. Can you hear that? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Dang. All right, we done? Mm. We done? No. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for the musical interlude. That's the fucking soundtrack to fucking Raiders of Atlantis. <laughs> I know. Let's uh, uh, let's jump done by in. Oliver Onions. Let's, which is the coolest fucking band name in the entire world. Oliver Onions. All right. Well, let's jump in. Fucking to our alliteration, next like two a motherfucker. Well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get so we can uh, discuss this a little more to our next segment here. Mm. We're bringing back Stream Screams and VHS. Oh my god! So for Stream Screams, we're talking. Raiders of Atlantis. Nate, wake up! There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me! Scream, I'll break your neck. <laughs> Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. Atlantis Interceptors! That sounds like a fucking gang in the Warriors. Now, this is a long time coming. Uh, you have mentioned Raiders of Atlantis almost every single show Top for the ten past three of years. of all time. Like, no joke. I am not kidding. Top now, ten of all time. The reason why we finally brought it on to stream screens is that Amazon Prime has been putting a whole shit ton of really fun exploitation flicks. They have some good um, there's some good shit on there. I someone someone just posted a list of some more movies to check out, and and I'm pretty impressed. Like so, just Amazon Prime because it all up in it. <laughs> uh, so they uh, put up Raiders of Atlantis. It has been like I mentioned that gigantic box that I had full of DVDs from Mill Creek, the cult. Yeah, Mill Creek's released box. a few seconds. It's uh, yeah, it's whenever you get one of their cult cinema type box sets, uh, usually it's in there. I can't speak for the print that they use or how it looks on there. But uh, Amazon Prime has a pretty decent uh, it looks good. standard I mean, version of it. Yeah, for for what it is, if, you know, I said it again, for what it is. 
For what it is. Uh, um, so basically. Hey, Black Cast Mike, shut up. <laughs> for <laughs> what it is. Um, so. Splathouse. Splathouse. That was a joke. Splatcast. Um, <laughs> for someone that is. has scoured the internets and everything possible for the best copy of um, Raiders of Atlantis is there is a. Um, I think it's I think it's a Turkish DVD that's out. Because um, I have a few DVDs of it. They're all bootlegs, but there's a Turkish DVD out with some Turkish subs. But the picture is fucking great. Um, it's best it's possibly can look. Um, personally, I have actually done my work in order to try to bring this film. To a certain company, uh-huh. um, but my I've been searching for a couple years now. Yeah, man, I remember you and I talked about when you and I were like, "Fuck it, let's start up a label and let's release Raiders of Atlantis." And, and there's yeah. no print that is known to man or a negative of this movie. Sadly. Ugh. Um, so anyways, this is one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, Diodato is the director of it. It stars uh, Christopher Conley and Tony King. Uh, Christopher Conley being, uh, you know, just kind of everywhere in American films and Italian films. Tony King being a black exploitation actor, being in Raiders of Atlantis is just <laughs> super bizarre. I mean, this guy has worked with like fucking, you know, Pam Greer and, you know, Fred Williamson and shit. And uh, putting, if you would have told me, that you are going to let me watch a movie with Christopher Conley and Tony King, I always said, oh, my God, that sounds great. And then it turns out to be Raiders of Atlantis, and then I just come all over it because <laughs> that's exactly what happens. So my history with Raiders of Atlantis is that um, I was – a few years ago, I was – let's say maybe about five, six years ago, I was compiling a trailer compilation – for a movie thing I was doing and I was just watching like these weird trailers. And then I come across the Raiders of Atlantis trailer and I've never heard of the movie. So I watched the trailer and my mind was just blown. I was like, Oh my God, a movie like this is it exists. This is fucking Mad Max escape from New York Every apocalyptic, you know, Italian movie possible, but looks a million times better. And then I'm like, fucking Tony King's in this movie? You gotta be kidding me. And then I saw Christopher Conley. I was like, oh my god, Manhattan Baby up in this bitch. So um, I immediately found this movie and I watched it and I was just, I adored every second of it. Um, Christopher Conley and Tony King have such fucking great on screen chemistry. Uh, this becomes like a buddy apocalyptic movie. Uh, Christopher Conley plays legendary fucking Mike Ross. Uh, Tony King plays Washington, who likes to be called Mohammed. He always <laughs> corrects him. Um, but it's it's a standard um, apocalyptic flick, but the backstory to it is fucking weird. Yeah. These scientists are trying to um, get this sub. They end up raising this fucking lost city of Atlantis and fucking everybody turns out to be fucking murderous fucking <laughs> people on the road with 
crystal skulls and a sphinx that shoots lasers. And for some reason, the world just ends automatically and everybody's running for their life and it's just a battle it's to the very island, end. isn't it? It's just on an yeah, island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on an island. But it's still, like, why, how does, how does this fucking happen? Why? Like, it, why is this island just overrun with all these goons? Like, what, what is going on? Uh, yeah. Dude, this is balls to the wall, just action, the set piece insane. after it's action, great. set piece. Yeah. Stunts. Like, they, I mean, they went for it, man. They were like, let's Dude, rival the Mad Max. on top of the fucking uh, bus scene. Yeah. Like, everything in the movie, it's like, wait, did you pay stunt guys to do this? Was anybody on drugs? I, I think they were just like, um, we, need, we need to top Mad Max. So they were like, yeah, fuck and, it. Like, and I you tell know. you what, like, this, this movie has it all. It has, um, like, it has great leads. It has some fantastic action. It's got... It's really funny at times just because of how goofy it is. Um, it's got some badass villains. It like it has everything. Like and everything is going for this movie. And like I know a lot of people are like, oh, Italian movies are like all oh, apocalyptic movies are all the same. No, this takes elements the best part like of those movies and just amplifies it. Like there's no downtime in this movie. From the very beginning when fucking Ross and Washington are fucking going after that those people in the house and like doing this like black ops shit. Yeah. And then like the fucking, you know, Lost City of Atlantis rises and then all of a sudden it becomes like this apocalyptic movie. It's just it's so insane and every part of the movie is just it's so ramped up. It's really hard to believe. Like Diodato is a very well-known director, but it's just hard to believe that he did this. Like of all people, like he's very like kind of calm with his movies, you know, kind of like Argento a lot. But you know, that'd be like the same as like Argento making this like mass action flick. Um, Diodato did uh, do um, Body Count, which is a slasher, but it's still very like down to earth, like very calm. Uh, this is unlike anything he's ever done before, and um, it's just—it's just a fantastic movie. It's got this one song that plays a million times by Oliver Onions called "Black Inferno," and it just like it starts off and like it's, it's shot in fucking Miami, Florida, um, you know. And once we introduce the characters, it's like it's the—that's the hook, man. As soon as you see Tony King and Christopher Conley, that's the, like you're immediately like these guys are a lot of fun, and it, then it becomes like a buddy movie. It becomes like not the buddy cop movie, but the buddy apocalyptic movie. Um, just such a great movie all around. Great little characters throughout. You know, little things happen that are humorous and funny. Great action sequences. I mean, everything. This movie's got it all. Man. There's an arrow to the face. In this, that's pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some great kills. I mean, the warehouse shootout is fucking fantastic. The I mean, there's shootouts everywhere in the fucking movie. There's it, dude, it's like, constant. It, that's what I'm saying, man. Like this, they're just like let's let's who needs to really pause for exposition? Like it's like minimal exposition, and then a crazy action scene or something's going on or somebody's running from somebody being chased by something a little bit of exposition you know like you meet some new characters and you know uh and then it's just it's just it just keeps on going man it's it's great 
It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and the fucking villain, Crystal Skull, is just so over the top. He's like, I think what happened is that when they were making Mortal Kombat 2 Annihilation, they told Brian Thompson to watch this movie (laughs) and act like Crystal Skull but amplify it. And that's exactly what he does. Because that's what it is. Like every time we see Crystal Skull, I think it's Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat. Um, but anyways, like he it's talk. He just gestures, right? He's just one of those baddies that kind of just gestures. No, he talks. Does he talk? Yeah. There's a lot Pretty of times simple. when he's directing. He doesn't everyone. say much. He doesn't yeah. say much. Um, what was I going to say? When that skull break or that Crystal Skull break? Oh my god! Dude, spoiler alert. Not really a spoiler. Um, he just made it a spoiler. It has some really odd sound effects. Did you notice that? Like, I mean, you've <laughs> when the so fucking times, like, pyramid is shooting red lasers at him. Well, it shoots red lasers, but then, like, even in the action scenes, like when, like, a, a, a one of the, you know, one of the post-apocalyptic guys would get shot or fall, or it'd be like they put a weird like echo on each of their voices. Does that does That's, that mean they're supposed to be Atlanteans or something like that, or are they were they members dude, of Atlantis? Dude, they're Atlanteans. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Dude, the movie like that part doesn't make any sense. Like a lot of these, a lot of things that are happening in the movie does not make sense, but it doesn't need to because it has so much other things going for it. Like it's just it's so funny, dude. Yeah, it's, I, I crack up when I watch it. I well, just have such a good time. I mean, it's great because this is uh, you can it's finally like somewhere that's easy to find uh you don't have to buy some box set to to dig through and find it buried in the middle of the box set on like a double sided dvd full of like eight movies mill creek <laughs> mill creek but um yeah it's just it's on it's on amazon uh amazon prime video and uh hopefully it's there forever but uh, this has been permanently saved in my wish list or not my my watch list, for sure. And um, I need to, to find that list of other flicks that are popping up on Amazon Prime. You'll find some really good stuff on streaming anywhere else. I went through I, I went through their catalog one night, spent like two hours, and I just added everything to my watch list. Made my own like little queue oh, yeah. um, of stuff that like they have stuff that's on HD on there that I don't know how they have HD copies of. And I watched them, and I'm like, holy shit, this looks really fucking good. Well, let's jump into our next segment. This next movie, I think, uh, was on Amazon Prime or Amazon for a while to rent digitally. It what did say it was HD or it is HD. I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, we'll talk about it. But uh, let's get into VHS. Oh my God, the king. Well, we are last, right where we ought to be. Oh my god! This is another flick that you have mentioned to me before, and we're finally sitting down to talk about it. It's Eight Million Ways to Die. Where is Sarah? You don't make the rules here today, baby. Jeff Bridges, star of Jagged Edge and Starman. You're gonna blow the deal, man. Roseanne Arquette, star of Desperately Seeking Susan and Silverado. You got Sonny killed. They're in trouble. In love. For a half-assed hooker, you're an extremely arrogant woman, you know that? And in way over their heads. It's murder, prostitution, drugs, 
and passion. Announcing the video cassette release of a sensational detective thriller. Oh, you can't find it on YouTube. And I know I didn't have time or or even the access to uh, to find it elsewhere. Yeah. Um, this is this is an oddball because apparently what you said is Kino is releasing yes, this. Kino is gonna uh, this be, year. Yeah, late spring or early summer is what they told me, and I actually got direct confirmation from them. So they're going to be releasing this on Blu-ray, motherfucker. Special edition. Special edition. So like. Which You're, I to you me, need to tell the story because the, like I'm hoping that through the special edition we get to hear the story from the mouths of people that were there. Hopefully, maybe Hal Ashby. Uh, Hal Ashby's dead. He's dead. Fuck. Uh, then Je- maybe <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Maybe Jeff Bridges is around. Maybe they can get Oliver Stone. To, um, I probably not, but I, maybe I don't think they'll get Oliver Stone. <laughs> All right, you, you um, uh, go ahead, so, man. Tell us the story of. Eight so, million ways to die. Eight million ways to die is the best disaster. <laughs> it's a beautiful disaster. Um, eight million ways to die is directed by Hal Ashby. Which, I mean, here's the first thing: if you were to tell me that Hal Ashby is directing a movie and Oliver Stone is writing the screenplay, I would say, "Holy fucking shit!" Like, this sounds absolutely amazing. And it is. However, I mean, we're talking about how Ashby has made some of the most, like, prolific, like, he's one of the most prolific filmmakers out there. He has made one of my favorite movies of all time, Harold and Maude. He's made, um, uh, shit, uh, Shampoo. Uh, being there, I mean, he's made some great films. Um, and this movie has everything going for it behind the scenes. It has, uh, you know, an upcoming screenplay, uh, a, a screenwriter, Oliver Stone, which he wasn't, like, huge at the time that this was uh, made. But, I mean, we have uh, fucking um, Jeff Bridges in the film, we have uh, uh, Rosanna Arquette. We have Andy Garcia. And then we have um, uh, Alexandra Paul, who's an upcoming actress. So, like, everything is happening. This movie it has a huge budget. Everything's going for it. And then all of a sudden, after, like, most of the film's finished, they fire Hal Ashby from the project and it goes into the hands of basically the producers in the company. Um, which is a huge mistake because now how Ashby's vision is going to be even ruined even more because that's actually the last thing to happen <laughs> of the story. Uh, so the very first thing that just goes wrong is that there were a lot of arguments and, and now this is all word of mouth. So I can't wait until 
like we have a definitive story because if there is a special edition of this movie, we're going to hopefully get the gritty details because this movie was, um, it was purposely buried basically by producers. The director didn't want his name attached to it. Oliver Stone didn't want his name attached to it. The screenwriter that took over, I think there's two screenwriters that took over. They wanted their name off of the movie. Um, it just, I'm surprised Alan Smithy wasn't all over this movie. Um, so basically, um, the, they fired Oliver Stone. They didn't want him on the set. They didn't want, uh, they wanted a rewrite. So basically they hired this writer to come in, do a quick rewrite, made the movie even bigger than it was. Didn't happen. Got into arguments. He was kicked off set. Hal Ashby then takes the script <laughs> and then gets rid of it. And he doesn't want anybody <laughs> to follow. Incredible. What? Like, this is the truth. Now, this is the, yeah. this is what I've like had people like I've heard interviews say is he took the script and didn't want anybody to follow it. He wanted everybody to do improv and improv the action. Oh my God. So basically on set, you have <laughs> one of the most notable filmmakers like in Hollywood at the time Saying, all right, action. And then you don't know what to fucking do. <laughs> and knowing that watching the movie, it's even more fun because now you can tell the actors are just fucking nervous because there is at times where there's just endless banter and it's like, wait, where is this movie going? And it's just like back and forth. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh my God, like what? Fucking say something else. There is a sequence in the film um, and I don't know where this come from because I guarantee you Oliver Stone did not write this in the fucking screenplay. This sounds like a fucking joke to piss off somebody. In the <laughs> film, Andy Garcia is a Scarface-esque character. So when he pulls up in his fucking grand Cadillac or whatever he's driving, his driver gets out. And instead of smoking cigars, instead of cracking open a bottle of wine, instead of fucking doing something menacing he has a snow cone maker in the back of his trunk i am not fucking kidding you this motherfucker has a snow cone maker and during these intense conversations with scudder which is uh the jeff bridges character they're eating snow cones and biting into them like uh ang angry like being angry eating <laughs> And I'm like, wait a second, what the fuck is happening? Why are people eating snow cones? Like, it's just, it's just completely out of left field. I tried finding that scene on YouTube. I couldn't find it. It's been removed. <laughs> and like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the reason why you probably can't find this movie that well is because I think still to this day, people are like, I, I'm glad that it's got a Blu-ray release, but and people don't want this movie to be seen because it is a disaster. Like, everything that's going on in the movie is just, like, it's just off. Like, you just know, like, oh, my God, something's wrong. Like, the the dialogue in the film, there's I, – I I haven't watched the movie in a while, so this isn't, like, word for word, but it's pretty goddamn close. So in the film, Alexandra Paul and Jeff Bridges kind of have this thing going on. She enters his hotel room. He's kind of a player anyway. Enters his, or his apartment, and she – disrobes in front of him getting into the shower and there's in above the toilet there is a you know a window and the moonlight is passing through uh, uh illuminating her body which alexandra paul is a beautiful woman as we all know 
And she says the line, I believe it is, does my pussy hair glisten in the moonlight? Holy mother. I'm, she may not say glisten, (laughs) but she says pussy hair. I've said a lot of fucked up things in my life. I've said a lot of unsexy things. I've said a lot of sexy things. I've watched a lot of pornography. I've never heard anybody say pussy hair. I'm I I I could be I'm shocked this that isn't in the uh, IMDb quotes. Here's a quote I, though. Sarah says to Scudder, "You're just an opportunistic prick who'd fuck mud if it if it move a little and not argue too much." <laughs> no, that's how the whole fucking movie is. Like every line that they say, it's just like, "Oh my god, like why are you saying this? It doesn't make any sense." Why I'm talking, Google the pussy hair quote, because I, I want to make sure that's it, because I'm almost positive. Like, I haven't seen the movie in a while, but, like, I, I watched – I've seen it a few times in the past, and I, I showed it to actually a group of friends, like, maybe about a year, a uh, year and a half ago. And um, my one buddy that came over, Chris, he's a huge Hal Ashby fan. He's like, this is the one movie I haven't seen. I can't find it anywhere. And I was like, dude, I have a copy of uh, A Million Ways Here Here's the the quote. Okay. The street light makes my pussy hair glow in the dark. There it is. Okay, okay. Not moving. Okay. So, still. Oh, my God. Glisten, moonlight, none of that is relevant aside that she actually says pussy hair. I think she says, uh, like, cotton. What? I think I think the rest of the quote she says something like Gliss, uh glow in the dark like cotton candy. Oh my god. <laughs> like Yeah, that's the but, full quote. <laughs> but that's what, what I'm that saying. Like mean? every no, that's the thing is every line in the film is like that. And and if it is true about throwing away that screenplay and having all improv Everybody needs to like go back to acting class, even if it is Andy Garcia, even if it is Jeff Bridges. What possesses you to say that? And if you're a screenwriter, why the fuck would you write it? Right. But that could be just how Ash be fucking with people as well. It, so- well, it sounds like it. Hey, it sounds like he knew the film was going to well, get taken away from him, and he just was like, "Screw it, thing. I'm gonna do my own thing." Here we go. Let's That's just- the thing is because I don't think like from what I've read because I've done some you know digging on this movie, and it's really hard to find anything concrete because everybody just dismissed the movie. Like this movie had a huge fucking budget. Like yeah. at-, at the time, I, it was probably uh, fucking maybe twenty million dollars. I don't know. But the movie just fucking collapsed. Yeah, it says eighteen million. Oh Jesus Christ! A fucking eighteen million dollar movie fucking bombs hard at the box office. Yeah, about uh, just over a million. Because they didn't. No one wanted them to see it, and of course they, you know, were gonna just take a chance. They slap it in theaters. Fucking no one really is editing this movie that is part of the crew anymore because everybody just fucking disbands. No one wants to be a part of it. People don't want it released. Everybody wants their name taken off of it. You know, Hal Ashby's fired. Like, who the fuck fires Hal Ashby? (laughs) And, like, if I remember correctly, the the screenplay that the, the screenwriter that they brought in, like, changed a bunch of shit, like, quadrupled the budget for what he wanted to do, and then 
no one wanted to the producers didn't want to do that so then they just settled with like this fucking like this like the action like the big big ending to the film this big explosive ending it's great like it's a great fucking ending but it's like there's supposed to be more going on it's like it's like hey let's rent out this big warehouse let's have a huge shootout with like 500 guys all right, we can't afford that. Let's just have four <laughs> in this huge fucking where That's what it turns out to be. It's like a car is parked in the corner. Somebody's in a chair. Fucking scudders going nuts and like sh- just shooting randomly in the fucking warehouse. And it's like, wait a second. I'm pretty sure there's supposed to be more people in this scene. But it turns out to be only like four fucking people. Um, but like I said, like as much shit as I could talk about the film, like the movie is over the top great. Because it's just so fucking like I don't know if this has ever happened in the history of cinema before. Anything like this story. Like there's always horror stories. Yeah, of people, this is yeah, this is extreme. Of people getting fired, people leaving set. Well, James Cameron got this. locked out of the editing room for Piranha Two, but then he he like snuck into the editing room and. Right. I mean, fucking, you know, uh, the story of uh, uh, Richard Stanley sneaking on set of Island of Dr. Moreau being one of the creatures. Like, there's all those, like, cool little stories. But this movie, everything about it fucking collapsed. Screenwriter, fucking director, producers backing out, no one being happy. And... And it's like we we're not shutting down production. We're just going to make stuff up as we go along. That's incredible. This is based on a book by Lawrence Block. Yeah, and then that Scudder. Yeah, a recurring character. Yeah, Matt Scudder. Yeah, yeah, Matt Scudder and uh, Liam Neeson played him in a movie from a couple years back that we've spoke uh, spoke about. the t- tombstone movie, uh, walk, walk, uh, walk among, walk the, tombstones. among the, the tombstones. So, but I mean, wait, don't watch a shitty copy of eight million ways to die. Wait, wait for the blu-ray. Please watch this movie. I, I have a feeling that this, once this comes out, it's going to become kind of a cult movie now because at, at right now, like you literally can't find this movie anywhere. Uh, you, you can try to find a VHS. Uh, they're out there. I've yeah, seen. They're out there for a couple. Bucks. I've seen them in the wild. I mean, yeah. it's not like something super rare. It's on DVD in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, it has, uh, you know, streamed before apparently. So it's not like impossible to find. But the reason why it's kind of difficult is because of the history behind it, um, and people just didn't want it to be seen, and it, it needs to be seen because. All the things going again. Here's the thing: is all these movies that have had problems that are in development hell, that are in production hell. All these. Whenever you hear a movie's in development hell, it turns out to be a shitty movie at the end anyway. When a movie's in production hell and it takes like four years to, for it to come out, they release it. It's shit. Um, Eight million ways to die is not shit because for some reason, like you have so many great people behind it. That it still be it still is a fun good movie, like even though everything is like going against it, it still actually redeems itself <laughs> at the very end, which is fucking spectacular. Like something like that can happen. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's about someone overcoming his uh, his alcoholism. Oh, dude, no. Like we're not like when he. Uh, that's another thing. When he plays a drunk. Oh man, Jeff like, Bridges drunk is fantastic. He, here's the thing: is that I think he might have been drunk 
for real. <laughs> Probably because um, there's a few scenes I saw, and one of them was <laughs> was him drunk. It's like wow. Well, everybody overacts. That's the thing because I think like they were so fucking nervous. I, I, I guarantee you that some of these shots were just like how Ashby probably said, all right, motherfuckers, get on set, action. And then everybody was like, oh, shit, what the fuck do we do? And it's like that someone starts talking, and then they finish a, uh, finish a scene, and then how Ashby is like, all right, cut. And they're like, oh, my God, what? Like, that was not our best. That's how I felt. Like, that's how you feel the movie's happening. Because these 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 dialogue sequences and kind of just this rambling on between the actors. Like I honestly, I, if I remember correctly, there's a there's a scene with Andy Garcia and Jeff Bridges where they're just like looking at each other and there's like a silence and they're like, okay, yeah, and he's like, yeah, 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 and it's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> like want to say something else? Like they just didn't know what to do, and then that was the the cut that they used because they only shot at one time. That's what it feels like. Nice. So my God, please, Kino, please <laughs> have this, like you announced this last year. Well, you said it in October, October, right, Sean? So yeah, you said this in October, you're given almost nine months and this is, you never do special editions. You always do bare bones discs for the most part, but please let this be something special because this is a story that needs to be told. Agreed. So, God, please let this be, like, fucking commentaries and interviews because I want to know the true story behind it because, like I said, no one talks about it. How Ashby's dead. Oliver Stone doesn't talk about it at all. I don't have Jeff Bridges' cell phone number, so I can't call him to ask him. <laughs> but I want to know, like, the truth behind this movie and the fucking disasters that happened. I think Jeff Bridges is at a point now he doesn't care. Like, I think he, he would- you have his cell phone number? No, I know you. Yeah, but I think you'd be totally willing to at least give his experience with it. For I sure. think the actors care. would because I, I think it's I Andy mean, Garcia probably would too. It's 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 done now. I mean, yeah. Oliver Stone's kind of a prick. He probably doesn't want to talk about it at all. And like I said, how Ashby died, you know. Like oh, he's Oliver Stone's too busy re-editing Alexander again. Mm. So, but anyways, like I, I really want people to talk and just and 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 tell like stories that happen. Like, I would fucking, I, I adore, because I adore this movie. Like, this is the one movie that is, it's a fucking car accident. It's <laughs> so bad and so horrific, and you're like, oh, God, I hope no one's hurt. But you just keep looking to see if you see some blood on the pavement. Yeah. That's the that's this movie, man. Awesome. Awesome. We'll keep you guys updated on when it will be coming out. But, uh, yeah, we're told uh, late spring, early summer. So uh, this feels like a summertime movie for sure. You know, seems like a movie that would come out in the summertime. Oh, God, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it either. It'll be my first time watching the yeah. full film. Please so. wait, and we will. Con- I will give daily fucking reminders about this movie. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm, I'm glad we find out that it's actually coming out, because I was starting to get bummed as I was starting to like watch whatever I can find on YouTube. I was like, man, I really need to see this full movie. And then um, so one of our – where did my phone go? It was on the floor earlier, said. Yeah. I've been interrupted so many times during this, uh, here it is, this podcast. I was going to try to see who, uh, like, who was, who let me know about it, but I can't find the name right now. So, thank, if it was you, thank you. You gave me, gave me some links, uh, to Blu-ray.com about Kino, and then I tracked down Kino to try to ask, you know, ask them, and they responded right away. So, that was very cool. Yeah. Hold on, my dog wants to come in. Jesus Christ. 
Bailey. All right. We're going to continue with no edits here. Yeah. So there's been a handful of you who have been doing recurring payments through uh, through PayPal, through the site, over at our uh, uh, donate link uh, at, at thescreamcast.com. I keep, you know, we keep talking Patreon. That seems like something that would have to manage way too much with my crazy schedule. Like, I don't know. But if you want to be able to donate to the show, it helps with um, certain like, shipping prices out and things like that. Um, you can either, you know, buy the merchandise, merchandise stuff, which I need to get more mugs and stuff like that. You can buy uh, the pins that we have, but you can also donate with these recurring payments. So we wanted to do a huge thank you to a handful of you who've done this. Um, Kevin McDonald, Luis Soto, Christopher Bellevue, and if I butcher your name, I apologize, uh, Ron Compostine, and uh, let's see here. I think that's it. Still. But that's, I mean... Thank you guys. I mean, you guys don't really have to do that. I know that's, uh, you know, it's just really nice of, you know, you guys who have every month since we did that donate thing uh, have been donating to the podcast. So it's it's hugely appreciated. You guys uh, talk to us all the time. You guys keep the website running. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all of you, like all of them, like talk to us, you know, on, on uh, Facebook and Twitter and we're always having dialogues. Some are da- daily basis. Louise is always letting us know when new stuff's coming out. Like, before I could even find it, like, all of a sudden he's tweeting at me, this is coming out by Screw Factory or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's on it, man. So, um, uh, I feel like there's one more that I'm missing that started doing it but has since uh, dropped off. But, um, like, whatever you guys – I mean, that, there's probably been a few of you who've just donated one-time donations and stuff like that. So, you know, thank you. It's It's very much appreciated. Um, any support you guys can give the show is great. Um, the pins are super fun. We want to keep doing those and make it work. So, uh, we have a lot of those, the, the bloody ballet ones. Tell Uh, your friends. Tell your friends about it. Buy them as gifts. Um, and there's also, uh, we have, we're running lower on the oily ones. So I would grab that one before it gets sold out. We have some ideas for some other ones. Um, we're probably going to approach it a different way um, so we just aren't sitting on a bunch of stock but um, we'll keep guys in the loop about uh, the next pin that we do um, I used to have mugs and I want to do stickers and, and like just logo buttons um, if you guys are interested in that uh, let me know I can put some buttons up on the site too so if there's certain things you guys would want to buy or whatever to support the show uh, hit us up with some ideas because there's a sky's the limit I think with the uh, our logo on shit. So um, just let us know. But uh, all of you who've bought pins and, and mugs and stickers, and actually I haven't sold the stickers, but I'd give those always, always free um, with shit. So, but uh, yeah, and all the, all of those, uh, those of you who have supported our sponsors, um, coffee shop of horrors, grindhouse video, who've bought vinegar syndrome stuff um, and bought, um, um, Kevin Spencer's right. artwork. Uh, it, you know, you guys are a huge reason why we've kept this thing going. So believe me, I've wanted to stop doing the podcast so many times, but Brad keeps. Oh me back man, in. there it is! Finally, you you go public about it. 
<laughs> so, no, so, yeah, I mean, we, we've we've had conversations because, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, from everything, like, if we literally didn't have as many fans as we do and many listeners, like, just looking at the listeners that we have is overwhelming. Uh, having the people that contact us um, and talk to us on Twitter's, you know, it's just kind of crazy, like, you know, uh, people actually listen to us and don't get annoyed by my voice, which I'm thankful for. Um, <laughs> or but my yeah, lack of knowledge about anything. Sean has come to me a few times and is like, I don't know, man. And it's like, yeah, oh, we we got this, man. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing it until no one's listening anymore. And actually, I think our third – is it our third year is coming up? Yeah, that's yeah, ridiculous. We've been this doing this for almost three years. To, this thing was just supposed to be some like just some bullshit thing for me to pass the time every now and then. Yeah, I think we're going on year three, right? Yeah, I start and I start feeling bad if we like can't make like if we miss a week, you know what I mean? Like that happens, but it's just like, you know, because I know that those of you are out there, you know, wanting, you know, to do your uh you know, to listen to the show while you get through your job, like, you know, um, I know uh, there, we have people who are, you know, post office workers or postal drivers and people that are truck drivers and people who sit in the office. Like, you know, like it's I, I get it. Like I listen to I try to listen to podcasts when I can during my work. And it yeah, there's a lot of times where I feel like shit and a, and a certain podcast will help me get through the day. Like the fact that we're like that podcast is you is crazy. So we you know, we appreciate all the feedback. We appreciate that you guys listen, and it really does mean a lot. We're getting sappy, but it's the beginning of the year. We can get sappy at the beginning of the year. It's 2017. Yeah, we can get sappy. And, uh, you know, so thanks, you guys. Uh, yeah, tell people about the podcast. Uh, I don't know. Don't don't judge us. <laughs> uh, well, you stuck with us through fucking 100-some episodes in three years. I think uh, they're not going anywhere unless we say no. We've pissed a few people off. We've had a few listeners that be like, <laughs> fuck you guys. I'm not listening anymore. And it's like, all right, fuck you too. Bye. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, <laughs> we're not here to fucking, you know, this is not a race for us. We're not trying to beat anybody. That's the thing is like a lot of these websites and a lot of these podcasts are in competition. I'm like, wait, aren't we supposed to be all for the same thing? We're all celebrating movies and telling people about movies and, you know, turning people on to new things. Like I'm not – we're not in a fucking race for more listeners or – There's no way we're quitting our day jobs anytime soon to do this full time. <laughs> yeah, that's another <laughs> you know? thing. Is like this is a fucking side project, dude. I spend we're, more money uh, doing this than I do. I, I'm sure my wife would be super happy if I stopped doing this. <laughs> you know, I'd probably uh, be able to budget things a lot better. But but yeah, anyway, getting long-winded, but uh, there's a long long way around to say we appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you. If whatever you can do to help support the show, whether it's telling people about us, uh, interacting online, telling people online, um, supporting our sponsors, and even just donating through the little donate link. Um, whatever you guys can do is very much appreciated. We don't say thank you enough, I feel like, um, but I want to start singling out more people who help. And uh, well, you know, we'll we'll try to do that. We'll get you guys involved even more uh, this year. So I have some ideas on getting everyone involved, and uh, we'll we'll see if they work or if they crash and burn. But at least we'll give them a shot. All right, uh, that's gonna do it for this week's show, man. We're Yay! Done. We're see done. ya. 
Uh, oh, there's. I wanted to give a shout out to a podcast I discovered. Uh, it's called Death Metal Dads. It's great. Check it out. Cool. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, we'll talk to all you guys next week. Make sure you check out all the other oneofus.net podcasts. They're fantastic. Buy from um, Grindhouse Video. Buy from Grindhouse Video and uh, and all that good stuff. We'll talk to all you guys next time. Bye-bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. Party's just begun. You didn't say goodbye. Bye. Jerk. I said bye already. <laughs> oh.